In his book, I Want More, Robert Jeffress tells of a friend named Don who was handed a little book with this endorsement. This book will do nothing less than revolutionize your life. It was a book that many of us may remember entitled The Prayer of Jabez. How many remember when that book was going like crazy? It was based on this verse in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. The guy who gave Don the book said, I've been following the principles of this book for the last month. And you wouldn't believe what's happened. I received an unexpected raise at work. My marriage was dramatically improved, and my 80-year-old father gave his life to Christ. Don was skeptical at first about asking God to bless him and enlarge his territory because it sounded like a name-it-claim-it kind of theology. But in spite of his initial reservations, he read the book more out of curiosity than anything else. The author clearly stated, God's blessings had little to do with a large salary or a new BMW. Instead, the writer explained, asking for God's blessing was an effect saying, God, I want nothing more but nothing less than what you want for me. And he learned the main reason that we don't experience God's blessing in life is because we fail to ask for it. James 4.2 You do not have because you do not what? Ask. Don decided it was time to get serious about asking. There was a time in his life when he was serious about prayer. It was an exciting time in his life. But Don couldn't remember when the last time his prayer life was actually on fire. But it was time to turn up the heat again. He accepted the book's challenge to boldly ask God to bless him in three specific ways, all of which he intended to bring glory to God through. First, he prayed his 19-year-old daughter would break up with her boyfriend who was a non-believer and was doing no good for his life. Second, Don asked God to give him a promotion at work, which would not only help him financially, but also would allow him to have a greater impact for Christ on the job. And third, he prayed that God would heal his brother who was recently diagnosed with pancreatic pancreatic cancer. A miraculous healing would be an unbelievable testimony about the power of God and God alone. So for the next three months, Don faithfully spent the first 15 minutes of every day praying for these three requests. At the end of the third month, here's what happened. Number one, Don's daughter announced her engagement to her boyfriend. Number two, an economic slowdown in his company caused the removal of the position that he desired. And number three, Don's brother died. Now Don remembered why he had given up on prayer. One writer calls it the prayer fade, the prayer fade. 
Most of us at some point in our life have experienced it. Maybe we've read a book, attended a seminar, heard a message, convinced us that the missing ingredient in our relationship with God was prayer. And so we entered into a disciplined prayer time. We devoted our life to it. It lasted a few weeks, a few months, a few days. You fill in the blank until we finally gave up, disgusted with the lack of our own discipline and maybe disappointed with the lack of God's answers. Been there? I think we've all been there at times in our life, wondering where God is. We enter into a relationship with God. We start coming to worship. We start praying. We hear about everybody else and the answers they're getting from their requests to God. And we're wondering, you know, God, where are you in my life? We hear others talk about how God's power changed their family, how God gave them a front row parking space on Black Friday or something. All these answers that God gives them. And we shake our head and say, it sounds good. But when I pray it, it just feels like my prayers bounce off the clouds and come back. And I wonder if God is really there. Does God hear me? If he does, why doesn't he answer me? Is God not good? Is God not great? And for all of you who have ever had those questions, can I just tell you, so have I. There have been times in my life where I've wondered, am I using the right combination of words, God? (laughs) Should I add maybe a please, God? Please, God, or maybe, Father, forgive me before I pray. Maybe I should say pretty please. God, can I get your attention here? Because there have been times where I feel like I've called, I've made my request to you, God, and you just haven't called back. Anybody ever experienced it? And we talk about asking for a friend. The truth is, I think many of us would want to ask for ourselves. Am I maybe supposed to say something after I say amen to get this through? And yet when we look at the scriptures, it's obvious that prayer is an amazing conduit by which the Holy Spirit's power works through us, through Jesus Christ, straight to the throne of God. Not only does the Bible attest to the power of prevailing prayer, it has so many examples. And if I were to take a mic and walk around this morning, who could give a testimony to how prayer has moved in their life? Raise your hand. That's 100%. Testimony after testimony of how God has moved through prayer. And if we believe that, if we had the time to take all the testimonies, I would have to ask the question, if God does that, why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? Some would say it's due to the crazy busyness of our lives, That keeps us from praying. Our schedules are so slam-packed. But even with our schedules the way they are, we always find time to eat. Who ate 
in the last week. We always find time to sleep. We always find time to do everything else we want to do. And so I've got several things to share with you this morning, and I hope they're very practical. In fact, we're going to, in the middle of the message, give you an opportunity to put this into practice before we even leave this room. I want to begin with two hopefully encouraging statements about prayer. Number one, you will always struggle with prayer. You will always struggle with prayer. And I don't use that word struggle lightly. The Apostle Paul used the word in Romans 15.30. When he asked the Christians in Rome, he wanted them to strive together with him in their prayers. The root word translated from strive is agonizomai. Say that with me. One more time. Even sounds painful, right? So we also get the word agony or agonize. The word is used to describe the struggle of a wrestler in a heated wrestling match. And make no mistake about it, prayer is hard work. Prayer is not easy. Why is that? Most of all, because when we we are praying, we are wrestling with an unseen enemy who is hell-bent on our destruction. Let me say it again. When you enter into prayer with God, you are wrestling with an unseen enemy who is hell-bent on your destruction. He doesn't want you talking to God. He doesn't want you listening to God. The last thing Satan wants is for us to experience the power and blessing of an almighty God. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of what? Evil in the heavenly realms. Not only do we struggle against an enemy, we also struggle in prayer sometimes with God, God himself. Both Jacob in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament found themselves wrestling over their submission to God over God's will or my will. Luke twenty-two forty-four. Luke says this of Jesus, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Some of the biggest battles we face in prayer take blood, sweat, and tears to finally resolve that not my will, but your will be done. We also, one more in addition to that, an intense struggle in prayer is with ourselves. Just simply getting up in the morning, staying awake, staying awake at night, turning the TV off, shutting the book, shutting the computer, turning the iPad off, putting the phone down, and spending intense, concentrated time with God. Focused, passionate, Persistent prayer is always a challenge in life. It leads to statement number two. You don't have to be good at prayer to be effective at prayer. There's no special formula. There's no special book other than the word of God that leads us on how to communicate 
with God. It's not complicated. It's never meant to be complicated. There's no special formula you have to memorize. You just open up and talk to God. You have the privilege through Jesus Christ to talk to the creator of the world. Isn't that cool? It's not complicated. And even if you just go, ah, the Holy Spirit is able to interpret what that means from your heart to the throne of God. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Remember this. The power of prayer lies in the hands of the one to whom we pray. Not in how you pray, not even what you pray. The power of prayer lies in the hands of the one to whom we pray. So in the time we have left, I want to go through a few questions that are usually asked when it comes to our prayer lives. Question number one, what kind of things should I pray for? Jeff, is it wrong to pray for a promotion, a bigger paycheck, a nicer house? I think Christians go, believers go to one of two extremes on this one. Some I've seen see, I've seen see heaven as a divine vending machine. All right, kind of like you put the dollar bills in, you get the desires of your heart out. Well, it's kind of like you insert your prayer into this vending machine, and God gives you what you want. The other extreme is to say that all of our prayers are not to be me centered, but they're to be other centered or God centered and not about us, two extremes. But fortunately, God has given us a balanced approach within his word, one that we can look at and we can work our way through, actually, as we lift our prayers up to God. Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And that's where Jesus gave them the what? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. It's not a prayer. I remember, and I've shared with you guys that I used to wrestle, believe it or not, when I was in high school. I know you can't look at me now and think you did what? Yeah. But I remember one of the fondest memories of wrestling in high school was before every single match, the entire team would go out into the center of the mat. We would all lay on the mat. We'd all put our hands in. And we would all recite the Lord's Prayer before the match began. Well, that's not exactly what it was meant for. But it's still a good thing. I remember it. But it was never meant to be a prayer that's just recited and not heartfelt. It was meant as a model and a guide. This is how you should pray. If you have your outline, I'm going to work through several steps that this does that will give you a model, not necessarily have to follow this in prayer, but if you want to spend an intense, focused time in prayer, this is a good model that Jesus gave us to follow, and there are steps within it. The first one is when we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're voicing our praise of God's majesty. We're praising God for who he is. One of the favorite songs... One of the favorite things we just sang this morning was the words, all hail King Jesus. That's what you're doing here. All hail King Jesus. You're offering your praise up to God. Next, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
declares the priority of God's purpose, not ours. God's purpose. It's all about him and not about us. Next, give us this day our daily bread, a request for God's provision for our daily needs. Notice he didn't say, give us this day our daily steak and lobster, right? It's, it's not about the new things, the fine things. It's about our needs. Philippians 4.19, Paul said, and my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Not our greeds, not all our wants and wishes, but our needs. Then we say, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We're asking for God's pardon for our sin. And please don't miss this. Jesus intentionally connects our forgiveness from God for our sins with our willingness to forgive others for their sins. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, forgive her, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This to me is one of the most frightening scriptures in, the, in all the Bible. How many of us have someone that we need to forgive? Come on, come on. Yeah. Unless you forgive them, don't go to God and ask for forgiveness. Wow. If you're not willing to forgive, then we have no right asking God to forgive us. Finally, Jesus teaches us to pray for God's protection from temptation and evil. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he adds, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it begins with God's praise of God's majesty. Then it goes to priority of God's purpose. Then we pray for God's provision. And we pray for God's pardon and God's protection. Then it all comes back around to giving praise and glory back to God. We praise him at the beginning and we praise him at the end because he alone has the power and he alone is worthy of our praise and our honor. I want you to think through these stages. Read them with me. Praise of God's majesty. Priority. I'm going to leave these on the screen here for a little while. When you came in this morning, hopefully you picked up the communion emblems. If you don't have them, you can raise your hand and one of the guys will bring you some if you don't have this. Everybody have one? Come on back. I'm going to give you a little bit of extended time on your own this morning. As you take the bread, which represents Jesus' body that was beaten, spit upon, 
and hung on a cross for you. The juice representing his blood that flowed from the cross that gives you and I the forgiveness of our sins. The promise of everlasting life. But before you take these, as we do each and every week here, before you take these, I want you to work. Pray through these steps. Praise God for his majesty. Spend a moment doing that. Praise God that his purpose moves in your life. Not your will, but his will be done. Go ahead and ask God for whatever needs you have in your life right now and on your heart. Ask for his protection from the evil one, from temptation. And then at the end, again, give him praise and glory and thank him for the emblems that you're about to take. Go ahead and work your way through that. Pray your way through that and take God's emblems when you're ready. Father, we do praise you for your majesty. All hail your power, your grace, your mercy. 
And Father, I pray that your will would be accomplished in our lives, God. We would seek the desires of your heart and not our own. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning that God has an unspoken need, healing that needs to take place in their life, in their heart, God, that you would do just that and grant that through your power and through your spirit this morning. God, I pray for your forgiveness of our sins. God, when we've fallen short of living up to your word, we've got to also pray for your protection to be around us as eventually we're going to leave this space and go back into a world where Satan is alive and well and wants nothing but to see our faith destroyed. God, give us protection. And God, as you do, we will continue to honor you, give you praise and give you glory for moving in our lives and for blessing us the way that you have. Even the blessing, God, right now, of being able to worship in freedom and in peace within this space. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Question number two. This is the one I've been asked the most. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why doesn't God always answer my prayers? First, let me say God answers every prayer. Every prayer that's offered up has an answer given by God. The problem is his answer doesn't always meet our expectations. He doesn't answer what we expect him to answer. And when that happens, we think, well, God's not answered my prayer. Let me give you four different ways God can answer and he can do others, but here's four. If the request itself is wrong, God says no. God says no. There comes a time as a loving heavenly father when he knows what's best for us that he just has to say no. Sometimes we think it's an unanswered prayer. Bottom line is God just isn't going to answer it the way we want it to. I love the quote that says some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Trust him even though he says no. I can think back over my life, over prayers that I have had in my life that I now, 20, 30, 40 years later, I look back and think, man, I'm glad God didn't answer that one the way I wanted him to. Second, if the timing is wrong, God says, whoa, whoa. In other words, slow down. My time is not your time. Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come and heal their brother. Jesus delayed answering that prayer so that God could be glorified through Lazarus' death. Sometimes we want immediate relief where God wants to build our character. God wants to develop our faith. We want instant success, and God wants to build the desires and intensity and refine our hearts with that request. Number three, if the asker is wrong, Sometimes God says, grow. You need to grow. Author Mark Batterson said, sometimes before God does the super, 
He's waiting for us to do the natural. I love that. Sometimes before God performs the miracle, he's waiting for us to do something along the way. It doesn't mean God's the magic fixer of things. He wants us to work. He wants us to grow. If you're helping your kids with your home, their homework and your daughter who is a freshman in high school aces her algebra test, you don't say, okay, we're going to pull you out and take you to Nassau. You're ready. No, you encourage her to continue to work through high school and to grow and to gain experience until she's ready for what's next. The same is true when it comes to God. It's kind of like the power along the way principle. He gives us power as we continue to work and he answers prayer as we continue to grow in our faith. Job says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Number four, if the request is right, the timing is right, the person is right, God will say, go. Go for it. Go for it. The important thing to remember is there's no such thing as unanswered prayers. Just sometimes we don't get the prayer answered the way we expected it to be. Then question number four, how can I become a better prayer? Maybe you've experienced the prayer fade syndrome. And if you were honest, maybe you're there right now. Your prayer life really maybe is non-existent or it definitely needs a little inspiration. You have a desire to bring life back into it. How can you do that? Well, let me give you two ways. And I guarantee if you do these two things, your prayer life will improve. First, and these are very simple. First, start small. Start small. Don't listen to Satan's lie that tells you you're not ready or willing. If you're not ready or willing to pray for an hour, your prayer doesn't count. Start right where you are. Start small and stay focused there. How many of you had a hard time focusing just a few minutes ago when we paused for that amount of time in prayer? How many of your mind went to what you're doing later this afternoon? All right, Ken. Of course, Ken's mind bounces all over the place. And you have to stay focused. You know, you start to pray and say, oh, man, I don't know if I let the dog out. You know, you, you have to stay focused. Start small, small increments but stay focused. Second, start now. If I had a friend who had given up on prayer, I'd say, don't give up. Give it another shot. Never give up. One of my favorite stories of all time on that is 1941 when Sir Winston Churchill stood before the students of his former alma mater and he made a statement that has become the most famous statement of his extraordinary life. Do you remember what it was? He said, never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give up. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul said, Therefore, 
be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Galatians 6, 9, Paul also said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If what? We do not give up. And the same holds true in our prayer life. Don't give up. You keep knocking. You keep asking. You keep listening. And God will continue to move in your life. Let's stand together. And I want us to close this morning by offering up a prayer. In fact, I want us to raise a hallelujah as we hail the King of Kings. Let's raise a hallelujah, a prayer right now as we sing.